They look exactly like us. They think like us. They know where we are. We need to move and keep moving. They won't stop until they kill us. Or we kill them. Welcome to Horror on the Rocks. On tonight's episode, Frank and Joe list their favorite horror movie performances and review the blockbuster hit, Us. They're coming for you, Barbara. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome! Hello! Welcome back to another episode of yeah. Horror on the Rocks. So Frank, this is our ninth episode. We just, I believe uh, so, yeah. Yeah, we just double-checked on that. Fact-checkers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, nine episodes. Yeah, and in. I think it's a. I think it's going to be a great episode. Uh, we have a lot to talk about tonight. Are we like a fine wine? We just get better with time? I'd like to know? think we do. Yeah. I If we haven't gotten a little better at this in nine episodes, we should probably hang Yeah, out. we're definitely not getting worse. <laughs> I don't... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but uh, big episode tonight... We saw us, and before you go any further in this yeah. episode, if you have not seen us, I think we're both going to recommend seeing this movie. Yeah, and as such, this episode will be filled with spoilers about us. Right. So if you haven't, maybe listen to the horror news, maybe listen to the list that we're going to do tonight. Um, but go see us before you listen to this podcast. I think it's it it is a really good movie, and yeah. it, you know it'll be ruined for you. Or if you plan on seeing it. Don't listen to the podcast yet. If you don't want to see it, then you're it's fair game. Yeah. But yeah, spoiler yeah. alert. So don't come at us saying, yeah. Oh my gosh, you gave everything away. Because yeah. naturally we have to that talk about what That is what we're gonna do, is yeah. give everything away. But so, um uh, to go along with that and the kind of the promotional run-up to this movie, uh Jordan Peele gave kind of a quick interview to I think it was the Wall Street Journal, where they asked him all these horror questions. You know, what's your favorite B quality horror movie? What's your, you know, the most tired horror trope that you don't like? Okay. And one of the things they asked him was what was your all-time favorite horror performance and because i think some people will some people will probably leave this movie saying that lupita nyong'o's performance is their all-time favorite horror performance uh we're gonna break down our top three uh but before we get to us before we get to the list before we get to some horror news what are you drinking what are we drinking <laughs> um tonight i'm breaking the rules i am drinking a beer tonight how but, dare you i know who drinks beers on this podcast <laughs> not okay. yeah seriously <laughs> your track time. record um <laughs> i just did it last time yeah um i'm drinking it not just because it's what in the fridge what's in the fridge mm -hmm. um even though it is um but it's a new ipa from victory called a no-brainer and it is delicious it is really really good it's going to be a great as I feel like as spring approaches i'm going to be enjoying yeah. these um highly recommend they are 6.8 percent though so careful so is it you a no-brainer you should drink it yeah like it's, yes it's that, a no-brainer that you should look into that enjoy this beer go see us and subscribe <laughs> download and rate five stars on yeah. podcast. So um, what are you drinking i have a nice little cocktail it does contain ice um <laughs> so it is on the rocks i have orange juice some tito's and some pink lemonade nice 
whipped up this sweet little thing, yeah. and it's uh, tasty. So. What, uh, does it have a name? What are you going to call it? You know, I want to come up with something clever, and <laughs> the pressure is too much to handle, so I don't. Vodka and juice. Yeah. <laughs> so cheers, Frank. Cheers. To um, cheers to us. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, really? Man. This The title of this movie really is going to open up a lot of puns. Oh, for yeah. You, you're going to hear so many <laughs> sentences where I just emphasize the word us. So just get prepared. So, um, like, before you... we get into the new stuff this episode, corrections from last episode, um, we paid such close attention and were so dedicated to accuracy in our review of Leprechaun, we actually described the end of the movie wrong. Um, he does not shotgun a four-leaf clover into the Leprechaun. Uh, Alex shoots it with a slingshot so yeah just if i you guys was coming to this out. podcast for accurate depictions so check uh, out the movie i must have been checked out from that discussion so this movie doesn't deserve to even be discussed yeah. okay well i'm glad you uh uh did you have any corrections uh yeah so there's actually something i wanted to mention i was critiquing the spelling of midsomar it's that upcoming horror movie by yeah. the creator of hereditary found out from my husband that midsomar is actually the proper spelling it's a swedish word so it means midsummer that's the translation spelled correctly wait midsomar means midsummer shocking How'd you, right? how did we not figure that <laughs> you one think out i would have like maybe known that or had a hunch I, you know i don't know i don't have to explain myself but anyway i'm correcting it now um but it is a holiday celebration in sweden to celebrate the summer solstice so mm. um that's where the word comes from I can't it's not incorrectly spelled like I <laughs> was judging. I cannot for. wait. Um, yeah. So I, do think, you got, oh, yeah, yeah. I think that's all we have for corrections. Uh, horror news? So. Yeah, so there's two things I want to talk about. Frank. Sure. First, Netflix. They were just pumping out shows left and right. Yeah. And you know, taking with a grain of salt some of them. There's some quality ones. This one caught my eye. Uma Thurman is going to be in it. It's called Chambers. It is a described as a psychological thriller about a person that gets a heart transplant and they start to take on um sort of like the sadistic traits of the donor that's mm. kind of what they're saying it's about don't know much more beyond that but um i'm intrigued has potential comes out april 26th it's uma thurman like yeah i'll check that um, out yeah. and then um, the other thing that i read is that um the craft is getting remade Ooh, how do you feel about that terrible right terrible. don't touch it like <laughs> to me that is just a movie that stands up on its own over time just like leave it alone it's great as is um yeah i am definitely skeptical but they announced the uh, writer and director her name is L zoe lister jones um so we'll see what happens yeah uh, i don't think there is a release date yet it's kind of just in the works now yeah. but Looks like it's going forward. So. Speaking of uh, speaking of the craft, my sister and I went to uh, I think it was called Monster Mania Con in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe some of you are listening to this podcast because I shoved a flyer for it into your hand. But um, at there, the whole cast of the craft was at the uh, horror convention. The lines were like super long, but we did catch a glimpse of. Uh, I think her name's Feruza Balk. Feruza Balk, yeah. yeah. Caught, caught a glimpse of her. A glimpse really? Of her. Yeah. Did um, she and glance back at you? She did not. Uh, she was very busy with paying customers, not people who were like, oh, there she is. I'm not waiting a <laughs> lot. Um, uh, just other quick hitters horror news, and I'm going to try to go chronologically. Uh, tonight, we're recording this on uh, March 27th. Hopefully going to get it out next week. Uh, is the premiere at uh, 10 o'clock on FX for a show called What We Do in Shadows. Yeah. The original was a movie in 2014 starring... Uh, Jermaine Clement from 
uh, Flight of the Concords about it, it, the the movie was shot like a reality show about vampires that are trying to live in our like world. Modern day yeah, it was times. pretty. It was pretty funny. Um, it's a completely different cast, but that premieres tonight. Or if you're listening to this podcast, that premiered last Wednesday, <laughs> um, yeah. Monday, April first. Twilight Zone uh, premieres. It looks like it's going to be on CBS's streaming app. Yeah. I, that, I don't know if that means it's going to be on CBS as well. I think it's like one of the, you have to pay to have. It's like CBS oh. all access maybe or all right well yeah. i would like to see that but i don't know if i'm gonna pay for it and then um uh next friday april 5th pet cemetery comes out which i'm oh, gonna wow. try to convince you to go to that one and we'll do an episode about i think do an episode about that one too yeah yeah, yeah. I don't know. the trailer I, looks good i think it's gonna be a dud all right but, okay yeah. <laughs> I don't know. we'll see i mean <laughs> i think with how successful it was we're gonna see probably like a few Stephen King movies get cranked out in the next couple of years, and some of them are gonna suck. Yeah, so, I um I reserved the book at the library. So okay. I'm not gonna buy it, but I do <laughs> want to read the book before I see the movie. I haven't yeah. seen the original, so. Oh really? Yeah. With Fred Gwynn? Fred Ginn? Fred Gwynn? Who? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Herman Munster. Herman Munster. Oh, is he in that? Yeah, he's he's the. I think he's John gonna Lithgow be the the, Lon, the John Lithgow character in the new movie. Gotcha. Um. Okay. Moving on. Let's get uh, into our list. Yeah, so like we mentioned, uh, in a lot of the... There's so much promotional stuff in the lead-up to us being released. Some of it I have a real problem with, and I think we'll talk about this later. They showed too much in the trailer, but I digress. Um, Jordan Peele did an interview where he gets asked a bunch of horror questions, and the interview culminates with him uh, being asked, what is his all-time favorite horror performance? And I, I of course, ton of respect for his answer. He said uh, Shelley Duvall in The Shining. Okay. Um, so well, we this, decided... This made me think of... Sorry, this made me think, though, of the post that you put up with uh, during Oscar season mm-hmm. when you had Tony Collette, like, most overlooked, yeah. you know, nominated... Like, she should have been nominated because that movie was excellent or she was awesome in it. I, I rewatched so, that movie last week. Like, I don't know if Masterpiece is going too far, but I love that movie, and yeah. she's phenomenal in it. So this got me thinking, too, on top of, like, Jordan Peele talking about his favorite performance, like, the, like, our ideal Oscar nominees for horror <laughs> movies. Like, what roles do you think were just complete standouts that deserve to be recognized, honored? Um, maybe they didn't get Oscar nominees. Yeah. Nominated, but we'll I actually, I have a, we'll see if there's any overlap in our list. Piggybacking off of uh, Jordan Peele's selection, and because there is so much reference so many references to the shining in us uh jack nicholson is jack torrance in the shining uh there are few people that i think have ever conveyed like madness and losing your mind as terrifyingly as he was in that movie i feel like every other role you see him in in the back of your mind he's jack torrance losing his mind mm-hmm. at the over overlook hotel love the movie think he's phenomenal in it okay yeah uh, what about you what's your my first, first one? one is anthony hopkins silence of the lambs yeah see i was uh, i think... was like is silence of the lambs a horror movie yeah why not yeah i mean again, we always kind of talk about this and go back and forth like if it scares you and there are yeah. like the idea is to create terror and horror and like creep out the audience like what? that movie checks all those boxes it's a broad umbrella to yeah. i don't know but i think his performance is just creepy as anything he's so scary mm-hmm. so many memorable lines um he just gets into that role so well so yeah but yeah i think mean, it's one of the most standout horror performances ever yeah i, I i'm not going to disagree with you on that what's your next um, one the next one which uh i feel like we already spoiled but 
Tony Collette as Annie Graham in Hereditary. Can we go in on that together? <laughs> is that on your list? Hand in hand. Yeah. Let's just say uh, she's yeah. phenomenal. I mean, the scene so where she is at the foot of her kid's bed, maybe in a sleep dream, like mm. screaming, like losing her mind at him mm. when she's trying to convince her family to do the like, oh, phenomenal. And I, I would like to honorable mention her performance in The Sixth Sense. Which is also outstanding as Haley Joel yeah. Osment's mom. She's been around for a while. Yeah, she's also Muriel from Muriel's Wedding. That was her first movie role, which is not a horror. Movie. I've never seen that. What oh, is that? Frank, that's for another time. But <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, Hereditary, she just kills it, and that is not an easy role to do. I think. Just no, it could have the, been so stupid. Do you know what I mean? Kind of gimmicky or or like silly. way too moody. Yeah, and it's, it's she makes phenomenal. it very believable. Um, yeah, she's. She is a national treasure. So even though she's actually Australian, here I'll drink to that. <laughs> Cheers. All right, um, uh, number two. Um, my next one is Denise Richards from Valentine. Okay, <laughs> your face when I said that. Oh my gosh, you <laughs> just look so disgusted. I was like, wow. What con- what, how am I going to make conversation with you about this? Um, I really liked Emily Blunt in A Quiet Place. So it's a she more was recent good. one. I thought she would just gave a very very strong performance. Yeah. Um, to act in a movie where you can't speak much and you have to convey so much emotion just with your face yeah. and, and gestures and it's such a great nuanced role she did excellent. I mean the bathtub scene. Yeah. Giving birth in silence yeah. not making any noise while you have some creatures coming at you with no modern medical equipment or any assistance. Ooh, just like the tension yeah. and... But oh, she's she killed it. Oh, she's so good. So I, good. I feel like it, that movie was had to be exhausting to be in because they're constantly acting that they are like anxiously afraid for their life. Like everything, like <gasps> like they're just yeah. constantly troubles right around the corner. It was and, stressful yeah, to watch. Yeah, that movie. fun though. Yeah. Really fun movie, and she was great in it. What do you got? Um, all right, my next one. I'm gonna go with this. Is one from my childhood, and this is definitely a horror sci-fi. Um, Jeff Goldblum as Seth Brundle in The Fly. Oh. Have you seen this movie? No. Yeah, so you, you really should see this movie. It's by David Cronenberg, who was really famous for in the 80s, early 90s period, um, doing a lot of stuff with kind of makeup special effects and that sort of thing. The, the general premise is that Jeff Goldblum is a fringe scientist that makes a teleporter, where it will teleport him from one pod to the other, and he's got to get naked completely in it. There could be nothing in the pod that isn't that isn't Jeff Goldblum. And of course, when he gets in there, I think it's one night when he's like drunk, a fly flies in with him. So he comes out the other side, looks completely fine, looks like Jeff Goldblum, but slowly he starts to realize that something is different in his DNA and shit hits the fan. It is, it it is a crazy movie. Uh, If you haven't seen it, you should see it. I'm not going to ruin it for you, but I feel like Jeff Goldblum is always typecast as like a fringe scientist. He's a fringe scientist in Jurassic Park. Mm. He's a fringe scientist in Independence Day. And this is, by far my favorite fringe scientist performance by Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Yeah. Except in Glee. I don't think he was a scientist. He was on Glee? He played one of Rachel's dads, I believe. Uh, yeah. Uh, something else I did I love how I just threw you off there. I was like, what? <laughs> That's all I want to do yeah. is just to throw you off a little bit. Um, okay, so my next one is uh, actually going to tie into us. I'm going to say Lupita Nyong'o. I think she gave... <laughs> Such an incredible performance, and the performance she gives is as two separate characters as yeah. well, who are so different. I mean, this requires some 
top-notch acting. Yeah, and I and think, and just the way she changes her voice for each character, her mannerisms. I mean, it was. I feel like that was very tricky to do, and she pulled it off flawlessly. So um, yeah, and they um, it's really easy to forget that they're the same person. Like it really feels like two separate yeah. actresses. And there's not, they have a different outfit and a slightly different haircut. So they look basically, you know, it's her, but as both characters, they don't visually distinguish that much, but she is so, um, really just outstanding as two separate characters. It's, you totally forget that they're the same person. Like once you really get into the meat of the movie. Um, what's your last one? Yeah, I guess my last one, I I get two more. I did three, but we did hereditary as a joint one. So So give us one more. Yeah. So, um, Okay, Sissy Spacek and Carrie. Okay. Phenomenal. Yeah. Really good. Um, yeah. uh, like, classic. You know who was in the remake? <laughs> Chloe no, Grace Moretz! <laughs> we need, like, a, yeah, like a every... drop or a buzzer. Like, that plays <laughs> every... <laughs> yeah, every time we mention Chloe Grace Moretz, it's yeah. like, oh! That's yeah. what I strive for. Every episode, I'm going to find a way to get her in. As the many puns as possible, Chloe Grace Moretz. <laughs> but uh, I, I interrupted you, so anything else about... I, um, no, Sissy? I mean, everybody's seen it. It's yeah. a classic. Um, I actually want to give an honorable mention. It's funny that you mentioned her, because yeah. you saw her at the horror convention. Mm-hmm. I think Feruza Balk is so good in the craft. I legit <laughs> had her on my list. She's on my list. Remember Denise Richards. No particular order. But I really think she gave an awesome performance in the yeah. craft. And she's so scary and just wild in that movie she's great she's um, everything i feel like everything she's in i enjoy her yeah it's like even as the girlfriend and the water boy like, yeah um and all- if you do an honorable mention i'm doing an honorable mention uh james mcavoy in split as oh, okay. uh as you know kevin wendell crumb and the horde but most specifically as patricia and hedwig like uh, i don't know their names patricia's but... the woman and hedwig is the nine-year-old boy okay so those i mean did you see glass i did see glass was it bad? I didn't love it. It didn't look good. No, it wasn't. Split is way better. So is Unbreakable. Split was quite good. Yeah. Yeah, I was impressed. Um, let's let's give the listeners what they want. <laughs> right? So, yeah, us. We saw us. So, this is this is a first for us because... Um, <laughs> this is a first for Joe and I. Um, because this I feel like this is the first movie we weren't really able to research. We're recording this Wednesday, March 27th. I saw it yesterday... Joe saw it two days ago. I saw Monday. It was actually the first movie that I watched where I didn't have a notepad and my pen out. Yeah. Just jotting stuff down. Or being able to pause it. Because mm-hmm. we saw it in the theaters and I'm not going to be that annoying person with my phone out jotting stuff down. Also, I wanted to completely see everything. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it came out last week. It made $70 million in the box office. opening weekend. Yeah. Which so is it- unbelievable. I mean, you think... Uh, Get Out did thirty three million. Yeah. So and it, it only had a twenty million dollar budget. So it's already it's already tripled the money it's made. Right. And it is the third biggest or R rated horror opening of all time, behind only 2018's Halloween, uh, which made seventy six million, and It, uh, which made one hundred and twenty three mm. million. So it's in it's in some rare air. Um, as far as you know, what it did opening weekend, and if you kind of if you want to compare it to Get Out. You know, get out this thirty-three. It's opening weekend ends up making over two hundred fifty-five million. Okay. So us made seventy million its first week. Joe, this could be the child's play of this year, the highest-grossing movie. Yeah, <laughs> I heard it was the number one grossing movie of. Uh... Um, so I, I don't know where should we start. Should we start with the plot? Just some some general reactions. I mean, yeah. Let's just give me your general 
reaction will start from there. Well, let's just organically see what this <laughs> Before I, you know, poke holes and point out issues uh, that I have with this movie, the first, the very first thing I want to say at the top is thank you, Jordan Peele. Thank you for making another really, you know, thought-provoking, fun horror movie um, I, I feel like he is just putting, I mean, the fact that these movies are doing so well and he's figuring out how to get these huge audience and tell, tell unique stories like neither get out nor this movie feel, I mean, they definitely draw from other movies and other stories, but they are both very unique, uh, very interesting, very fun. They are their own stories. Um, they're interesting stories. They are stories that I feel like we haven't really seen on screen before, and they're so well well done. It's well executed. They look awesome. And they... what I like what you said, it is thought-provoking. It's like a very layered movie yeah. that makes you think. It has a lot of depth to it. Yeah. Um, but I will say, as 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 I did enjoy this movie. I liked it. I thought it was very good. But, the the but. but is... Uh, Man, there's I, I so I after the movie I wrote down a list of yeah. of you know things I really liked about the movie and issues I had. I have like fifteen things that I'm like, wait, what? Okay. Like so we'll get to those. So What's your kind of gut reaction to, you know, when you walked out of the movie, how'd you feel about it? Loved it. Yeah. Loved it so much. Better than get out? Uh, not that everything has to be compared like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't really want to in a way because I feel like it's like the easy way mm-hmm. to look at it because they both are so unique in their own way. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I thought it was scarier in a more traditional kind of run-of-the-mill horror sense yeah. um, than Get Out was, but I was a little nervous going home because... I went home to an empty house. Ooh. And I'm like, why did I Ooh. see this movie? Well, yeah, why did you do that and, to yourself? <laughs> but I have to return to an empty house. So I yeah. may have slept with the hallway light on. But um, Are you serious? I might have. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed this one um, for a number of reasons, which we can get into. But let's just, I guess, start from kind of the plot. Like what happens in the beginning and sure. then we can sort of work so our way the, through So the first clip we get is of a TV screen um, it's very clearly not modern day. We later get a timestamp that says it's 1986. Um, and a young girl uh, who we learn's name is Addie is watching an ad for uh, Hands Across America, which which I... Did you know or had you heard of Hands Across America before this movie? No, I didn't know it was a thing. I'd heard of it. I heard it was kind of fiasco, though. Like, when they did it, they couldn't establish that, like... In the moment that they were saying Hands Across America, that everybody was actually holding hands. I don't hands, think they but... took into consideration certain landscapes <laughs> that would make it difficult to yeah. actually link together. Yeah. So it was this big charity event that would raise all this money For to fight hunger, hunger? I believe, yeah. and poverty. Yeah. Um, and ultimately wasn't as successful as they hoped it would be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the opening scene is you see this ad for Hands Across America. Cut to uh, Carnival that we learned. Well, actually, can I just go back there to that sure. scene? So um, in the opening scene, there are all these... And that's the cool thing with Jordan Peele. He is so uh, intentional with details. Yeah. And nothing... I feel like nothing's really there just by chance. Like He no. really thinks about what is... In a scene, and, what's in the background. And that's why I hold him to a higher standard. Like, when we get to laters, when when things don't exactly tee up and it exactly, like, close into a nice, like, well-designed loop, I'm like, wait, but you, you show such detail to other things. Yeah. How did this happen? Anyway, go ahead. Um, so, the, opening, the, the opening scene. So, in the opening scene, there are some movies, and one of them is 
Chud? I never heard of this. C-H-U-D? Horror movie? Yeah, it's a 1984 sci-fi horror movie um, that deals with this race of mutants living in uh, New York City sewers. The Goonies is in the um, Saw that. scene, yep. which also deals with underground tunnels. There's a movie called The Man with Two Brains. Um, there's also The Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, and what we forgot to mention is that the opening scene of the movie is actually a little blurb about these underground tunnels and systems yes, there's that a... have long <laughs> been, I guess, just in place, yeah. built, designed for whatever reasons. And that just kind of remain intact. And that's yeah. what sort of sets off the movie. So you're like, something, at some point in this movie, underground tunnels, tunnels is going to be relevant. So just seeing some of the movie choices definitely ties into that whole oh, concept. Oh, I didn't even think of, of that. Like, how the, all of Goonies takes place. Tunnels, sewers, yada, yada. But yeah, um, so then we cut to the carnival. Quick cut to uh, the carnival where uh, it is young Addie, who we'll later find out is Lupita Nyong'o's character. Is she um, Addie or is it Adelaide? Well, it's Adelaide. I swear they're calling her Addie. Because oh, I thought they were calling scene. her Maddie. Yeah, yeah, it's not Maddie. Okay, but I, they were calling I'm pretty her sure they're calling okay. her Addie. Um, they come from there to a scene on the boardwalk. And I think this is where we get the time stamp that it's 1986. Uh, and a young girl, Addie, who we later find out is uh, Lupita Nyong'o's character as a child... Um, is with her parents, and they're not getting along so great. Uh, Dad's having maybe a few too many beers for Mom's liking at the carnival. Um, Mom seems just kind of fed up with Dad's shit to begin with. And uh, Dad is playing whack-a-mole, and young Addie wanders off onto the beach to a... Uh, a mirrored fun house that I think at the time is called like shaman's quest or it's shaman something. Um, she goes in there, she weaves through the mirrors and we see her looking at the back of what looks like her. Um, and it's kind of like unclear. Is it a mirror or is it, is another child? And then all of a sudden we get this super tight close up on her face. Um, just shocked and terrified. Right, um, and then after that, she's not quite the same. So she goes missing yeah. for about fifteen minutes or so. Yeah, um, parents and eventually reunite with her, but like she's a little off. Yeah, they think it's just PTSD or she's suffered some traumatic. You know, it was a traumatic experience, and maybe that's why she's not talking. So she's really just not verbal. Yeah, um, and the dad's like, oh, you know, she's. Well, the mom's like, oh, I just want my little girl back. So yeah. she's definitely different um, and than we, how she we was get before. this. They start to kind of intersplice these um, flashbacks. Um, and I think the two things that are really different about her, or at least the biggest difference, is she doesn't speak anymore. Um, and the other thing, yeah, is her mom saying in this like therapy session that she's like weirdly in eye earshot of that she just wants her little girl back. I, spoilers coming at you, folks. I called it. Did you did you have it figured out? Uh, I was like, oh, she didn't come back. I had her a, her double came. I back. had a hunch, but then I didn't think much about it afterwards. I, I, mean, I kind of forgot I, about it. See, I it, it it like very much disappointed me because I was like, oh, it's she she because the mom is saying because he's so deliberate with his foreshadowing and it's so like after watching Get Out and seeing all the Easter eggs later, the yeah. things that were in that movie that were indicating where things were going, I was hyper focused on the details and I was like, oh. There. Yeah. I, so I did figure that out, but um. So you know, then we uh, let's cut ahead then yeah. to grown up Adelaide. Yeah. So who she, they are? They are on. She, her husband. They have two kids. Um. Yeah. They're on a trip to yeah. actually the same beach that the opening scene took place. So in. I Santa got the Cruz, I yeah believe. Santa Cruz. I got the impression that they were headed to her childhood home. 
that it was her parents' home because mm. he's Winston Duke, the husband who, um, so who I loved movie. him in this movie. He's um, a hilarious. The, I'm pretty sure like the only major thing he's been in was Black Panther. He played um, that was his Mbaku, big... the the kind of the guy that lives in the snowy area, like their king. Yeah, that was his, I think, big break. But, yeah. Um, he's so funny. He's in so this great in this. Um, oh, can we talk about this shot real quick? Because it's an amazing yeah. homage to The Shining. That is the way the, the first shot in The Shining is with the car weaving up through the mountains to get to the Overlook uh-huh. Hotel. And I like as soon as it happened, like I was like, road. yeah, and the, just kind of the, uh, the well, now I'll do it with a drone. I don't know how they did it in 1970, whatever, when they were filming yeah. The Shining. But um, the like the overhead through the trees, like kind of the, the autumn trees. I was like, oh, my God, he's because he is so deliberate and he is such a big horror fan. Yeah. I was like. That wasn't on accident. That's yeah. that's for me. That's yeah. for the shining guys out there. There are a lot of shining references. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. So um, as soon as they get to this house, which I thought was her childhood home, but they're like staying in this home. Yeah. And there's a plan to go to the beach. And Adelaide is feeling very apprehensive about going to this beach. She's kind of very clearly uneasy about the whole trip, uh, kind of from the jump. Like she just doesn't seem to be real happy to be in this house um and is not happy when she finds out that they're headed to the beach yeah um in particular that is the beach because that that you know she wandered off into into that fun house of mirrors so when they get to the beach you see actually the same fun house of mirrors it's called something different this time now it's called merlin's forest but it looks identical All right. Um, they get there. They meet up with uh, a couple of their friends with that has twin girls. Elizabeth um, Moss. Yeah, Elizabeth Moss. Tale. I didn't recognize uh, the husband from anything. Um, Elizabeth Moss character is Kitty, um, and her husband's name is Josh. They uh, they come off as these kind of uh, aloof, well-to-do, maybe a little bit arrogant. But uh, Winston Duke's character Gabe has a very much kind of almost like a keeping up with the Joneses feeling with them. Like they have this really nice boat. So he buys this really junky boat. There's a rivalry um, there. Yeah. There's like a little bit of a little, like he needs to compete. Um, yeah. But they don't, they're very, very clearly not uh, as happy or as tight knit a little family as, um, uh, as Addie and Gabe's family are like, you know, she's drinking too much and he's kind of an asshole. They're like, just really materialistic. Yeah. They, they, I think they kind of just represent like, materialism american materialism sort of at its worst yeah. and yeah they're just not really into each other <laughs> they're pretty mean to each other yeah um they have two terrible twin daughters who are just annoying yeah and um, um so while they're at the beach though their son jason takes off and he he sees someone uh, the parents aren't aware that he's seen at something weird until later he draws, uh, you know, with crayons, a picture of this person wearing red and that has blood on their hand. And it freaks out. Um, it Adelaide. freaks out Adelaide. And, you know, they're at the house. Like, I, f- I feel so bad for Gabe here because I feel like he's like, he's trying to take his family on a nice vacation. He got him this house. He even bought this stupid boat that they're unimpressed with. They have yeah. a nice beach day. And, sh- and Addie is just out of source. And she tells him, I have had... Like, you know, things, you ever feel like things are lining up too much and there's like just coincidences? Yeah, Kitty mentions that. Yeah, keep happening. Um, They're just happening too much here. 
She just um, doesn't feel like herself there. Like something yeah. about this place is really just bringing out this sense of discomfort. She's not herself. When is she's it? Back does she this. tell the? Does she tell Gabe a, about her experience before the family shows up? I think she says when I was a kid. She talks about it with yeah, because she says that when I was a kid, I went to I went in the fun house on that beach. I saw a little girl that looked just like me, and it freaked me out. And I didn't speak for a long time. And, and Gabe, I think that girl's coming for me. And Gabe is just trying to keep it together, trying to keep a straight face. She's like, "You don't believe me," and he's like, "I believe I you." Mean, it's like, understandable. <laughs> One would probably question a story like that. Yeah, uh, he tries to crack a joke, but she is not into it. Yeah. Um, and that's what's really great about his character, that he brings this sense of lightness to the movie. Yeah. He's such a quintessential, like, corny dad. Which is um, one of, which one of I, the things I have on my list of things I loved about this movie is Jordan Peele's, like, his ability to determine, like, how to effectively cut tension with a little bit of comedy in a horror movie is immaculate. He's so good at it. My favorite, um, like, funny scene, and this is a jump forward, you know, they end up fighting this family. Um, they get in an argument about who in the family has the highest kill count. I love that scene. Hysterical. Yeah. They're like, no, you didn't kill them both, because I just had to go back and kill one and of who, them. And they're using that to see who's going to be able to drive. And yeah. the daughter, Zora, is like, well, I've had more kills, so I get to drive. Meanwhile, <laughs> she only has her permit, maybe. Yeah. She ultimately, like, wins out. Yeah, but, yeah, so we should let her drive in a crisis. Yeah, yeah but just the idea. fact that that conversation is even taking place in this scenario was really yeah. funny. I actually love the scene where, um, so after the the tethered visit them, which we'll describe who the tethered are because that's like the big part of the movie, but there's this conversation between Zora, the daughter, and the parents. And actually, I think that dad Gabe is like, you know, if they like come back here, I'm just gonna, you know, do like a home alone and like whip up some, uh, you know... Uh, yeah, he's like, we should set booby traps. Yeah, pretty much. And, <laughs> and she, she's like, please tell me. No, but she go, the, the daughter goes, what's Home Alone? Yeah, oh my God, <laughs> I felt so old. That was the scariest moment. Her <laughs> questioning what Home Alone is. And th- there's a whole generation probably of yeah. youngsters who don't know... They have no idea classic. what those tapes yeah. on top of the on top of the screen. So I mentioned were. the tethered. What are the tethered? Let's yeah, so that. basically, uh, they're at the house and her biggest fear happens. So family shows up that is it's four individuals that are identical to their family doppelgangers doppel classic doppelgangers they're they are evil opposites um they show up out front winston duke goes out front tries to tell them to go away nicely comes back in and is like oh they're not going anywhere grabs a bat they scatter and attack the house um they they work their way into the house uh winston duke's injured pretty early in the movie He, he gets him in the leg we get to the whole family is in the living room with their evil opposites, who then start explaining who they are. And that's when we get the full scoop on who these doppelgangers are. A a very uh, creepy version of Lupita Nyong'o. When she opened her mouth, did you expect that voice? I almost laughed. At first I thought it was like a little... She was like... It was like... At first, I thought it was a little over the top, like uh-huh. Bane and Batman. Like, oh, what are you? Oh, doing? his oh. voice was so awful. I kind of understand <laughs> what he was she, saying. She talks like this, yeah. and she she explains that there was a little girl that grew up as a shadow of another girl. So like, red is the tethered version, exactly. Adelaide is who we think is the human version. Yeah. So red is telling Adelaide, you know, uh, there was this uh, shadow version of a girl that had to grow up and live a mere life of her, but it was miserable when she ate, when, 
when the girl ate good food, the shadow ate bad food. When the girl met a husband, the the shadow had to fall in love with the monster. And when and even getting as graphic as when the girl needed a C-section to have a baby, she says she had to cut it out of herself. I mean, so she really paints this picture that there's this kind of, uh, you know, a, a mirror life that she has been forced to live. Yeah. Um, so we find out that these... The tethered, as they're called, it was the result of a scientific experiment. Kind of unclear who created this experiment, why they were in creation to begin with, but it's pretty much like clones almost. Like humans yeah. had this other version of themselves, these the, the tethered, and they were supposed to live like underground in these mysterious tunnels. Yeah. So we're and we're the, jumping way to the end here because most of the movie, the explanation that we get from Red in the living room is kind of all we know. We, we yeah. know that... I think it's helpful, though, just... Because we're going to give everything away. Yeah. I think it's helpful just to know, like, the context of it as we explain it. Like, yeah. we have to go. So, but this is... Uh, i got to be honest. The... Yeah. Okay, like, where should I start on my list? Like, so they're supposed to be clones of... All the... Uh, we, we, you basically find out in the movie that everybody, it appears has a doppelganger that's wearing a red jumpsuit and running around with gold scissors and are stabbing people. Which my first thought was, when Amazon delivered millions of red jumpsuits and gold scissors to Merlin's <laughs> Forest on the Santa Cruz beach, Jeff Bezos, you're not flagging these sorts of things? Like, yeah. wh- how, why are they all wearing magic outfits? Well, why are, why not get AKs delivered? Why not get bazookas? Like, yeah. what? I don't know if why the, the scissors are the weapon of choice. I don't know if that's really explained, but pretty much, yeah. So the tethered are like the clone doppelgangers that live underground. And I guess the idea behind this experiment was that humans would have this other version of themselves and the version below was supposed to control like the human version, but it actually ended up not working according to plan. Not sure why they wanted it to be the plan to begin with. But so ultimately, that's, that's the first problem. Yeah. Why and for what reason? Who? So um, it, I get it's the, the U.S. government wanted to control the population because we actually get a a nice little uh, a foreshadowing earlier. Um, Zora is in the car when they're on the way there. Says, "You know, the government puts fluoride in our water to control us, like something like that." Yeah. So they kind of plant that seed, and then uh, basically, there's this whole scene where you see the the whole scene that we watched in the beginning where they're on the boardwalk, under the boardwalk, in this weird sort of hallway laboratory that's filled with bunnies. Um, there's a that's bunch what, of that's people. That's what they eat down there. Yeah, they so eat when bunnies. when Adelaide was eating delicious food, they were eating like raw bunnies and much. <laughs> i think it's because like bunnies were like they were cloned or I guess whatever they, like, reproduce easily or quickly i don't, I don't know, know if that's scientific but so accurate. under underneath of the boardwalk someone is basically pantomiming a zombie version of the actions above like we see like a zombie kind of you know a, a, a tethered version of the guy that hands adelaide a prize we see you know everybody that was up above ground has someone down and it's it just okay joe like people were pretending to be on a roller coaster standing yeah. in a hallway yeah it just helped me Help me yeah. get to how this is awesome because I had a so so much of the movie is about the family kind of fighting with their four doppelgangers and then they go to Kate Moss's house and they got doppelgangers so too. It starts off as like yeah home invasion movie and they go to um not Kate Moss uh, uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Moss Elizabeth sorry Moss. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they go to Elizabeth Moss's house um to 
find some safety and then actually there's this pretty crazy death scene with elizabeth moss's family where yeah. their tethered versions attack them that's actually one of the funnier scenes too is yeah where um man poor elizabeth moss you know she's not dead but she's dying and she has ophelia which is their version of siri in this world and she's like ophelia call the police and the police do not get called because yeah. some like ridiculous song comes well, it's, on. It's, it's fuck the police it's, by NWA. Yeah, so it's like F the police yeah. and that comes on and you're just like, oh no. Yeah. So, I mean, again, that's just like where you see his humor sprinkled into the, these really intense scenes. I think like two of the most terrifying scenes in the movie are um, the attack scene when the tethered first show up. First of all, those those houses, those like California mid-century modern houses that are floor to ceiling windows, yeah. they look so cool. They would be the worst in not, a zombie apocalypse. Not ideal. There's no way to secure them. Not like just windows everywhere. Oh yeah, you have no so shot. No that shot. sort of break-in scene, and then this scene at the house where the the friends doppelgangers show up. Which, by the way, th- their twins are very much uh, shining a shining twins. Reference. Yeah, so yeah. very th- those are very cool, and they have this sort of evilness about them. Um, none of the doppelgangers talk, by the way, which is an issue I have later, why some of the characters can talk. But um, anyway, those two scenes I thought were were really like well-executed horror uh, scenes. Um, another thing about this movie I put down, I think this movie had the right amount of blood in it, which I feel like is really easy hmm. to mess up. Like It's a really small window before like you look like a crazy Tarantino movie where there's just like blood sprayed everywhere yeah. or it's not enough to give you like oh my god these are human bodies that are dying i thought like he really thread the needle on how gory this movie should be because uh-huh. the general premise is everybody's got a doppelganger they public above ground and they're all here to kill their above ground version so yeah. this is a you know this could be a really gruesome movie and i thought he did a nice job with that yeah it wasn't overly gory no but um, some scenes were i mean Elizabeth Moss is bleeding out of her neck. Like, yeah. uh, Winston Duke kills his doppelganger in a boat engine. Like, yeah, yeah. Let's take a minute to talk about uh, the daughter's character here because I think she has the scariest doppelganger. Oh, her yeah. tethered version. That's man. She has this sinister smile. Whatever she did with her face and the way she did it, it was so creepy. Very, very scary. I think yeah. she was actually the scariest of the doppelgangers. Yeah, um, Winston Duke's doppelganger um, is huge. He should be kind of the scariest because he's like the only one that can definitely overpower you. And I've heard um, Jordan Peele say in interviews that he doesn't think overwhelming strength is necessarily the scariest things. He thinks, you know, creepy, like skittishy fast um, sort of monsters are are the scarier sort of thing and that's very much the way red zora and uh jason are who let's talk a little bit about jason where's a mask the boy's doppelganger wears like uh it's like a white ski mask kind of yeah so the 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 tethered version yeah wears this covering then you find out it's because he has like all these scars from like being burnt but jason though yeah human version will wear a mask too which Ties into this whole, you know, the masks we wear and who you are and yeah, this, blending in. This and... movie has a ton of, like, um, you know, what does it mean or what what does it represent kind of um, undertones or, or hidden in metaphors. In it, in it, this it, yeah. Movie. Okay. So here's another thing on my list of issues that I have with this morning movie. Why is Jason's doppelganger burned? Um, they're supposed to do everything together right they exist also we we hear that this experiment with the doppelgangers gets abandoned at some point in time jason's like seven 
So it didn't get abandoned that long ago. Yeah, but I guess... Um, I mean, there's probably, like, younger kids, though, in, in the human conceived world... Conceived in the... That don't have this doppelganger. Yeah, but Jason's pretty young. Like, yeah. he's not... So, like, presumably sometime after he was born. Yeah, I guess. And um, that, that's the one thing that's a little unclear, is, like, to what extent do these tethered doppelgangers copy the actions of their human counterparts? Like, there's... Yeah. I don't know, like, to how much they do. And then once, actually... Well, I guess the once the tether escape and kind of, you know, do their whole thing, they're no longer bound to their human, let's, right? Let's, like once they leave their underground tunnel, because then they can kind of act for themselves. We, we need to get into my uh, issues. That th- see, I, I think my opinion that this movie is good, not great might not age well this might be a this might be a movie that i watch like two three times yeah. and i realize like a lot more things are put together than i thought but some of them i don't understand why was jason's doppelganger burned do you did you have an explanation well, jason for that in the human form is always remember he's going into his magic tricks yeah it's like a so he's into like this mat or he's into like a lighter and he keeps like clicking it so it's possible that like maybe in the, the evil version, version of that like, like it worked or yeah. somehow there was a fire that started from it so yeah. yeah that's how i read into that so they they realize that they're doppelgangers they see a news broadcast and realize there's doppelgangers everywhere they also see on the news broadcast that all of these people wearing red jumpsuits are lining up to basically do hands across america yeah. So they kind of leave that unresolved. Well, the f- they're doing the thing that the humans couldn't do. I mean, that's like the whole point of this movie oh, but- is like, like I, I think the movie is really trying to say, like there's questions of like, who who are the villains here? Like, yeah, I think you're, you, you're made to think the tethered are the villains. But they actually, are definitely victims in a way. No, but actually it's the humans that are the messed up ones here. We're the yeah. villains because we create, we as in like humanity or whoever, like commission this experiment to create these tethered people, abandon it, and then like lock them up underground and yeah. left them like in exile. So I think if anything, it's like we're the ones that are the villains. They're not so much the villains, and they're then able to like by the end of the movie, you see them actually completing the hands across America yeah. task. It looks like over a very like steep mountain. They're like going yeah. all these you know uneven surrounded streets. by military helicopters. So I assume they're all just going to get gunned down and killed. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, we'll have to wait for a scene. Anyway, so yeah, let's get into... So basically, after they leave the Elizabeth Moss's family's house, um, Winston Duke's doppelganger is dead. Uh, they kill the daughter's doppelganger. The, Zora kills her with the car, which is so awesome because Zora wants to drive so bad. And when she does get to drive, she gets to body her doppelganger, she just, which yeah. is sweet. She um, steps on that pedal. And yeah. just like... So then they end up... Uh, uh, Adelaide or Red, Adelaide's doppelganger, takes Jason. They end up following them to the beach in Santa Cruz, um, where they end up. They end up at some point like uh, like kind of home base becomes this ambulance, which I thought was awesome uh, foreshadowing the beginning because remember, ambulance is what he. There's a door. There's a room in the house or a closet that Jason keeps getting himself locked in, and he keeps that door uh, yeah. propped up with a little ambulance. And then later in the movie, they kind of an ambulance comes home base. But anyway, they get to the beach and they see Jason's doppelganger. They get out and there's a big line of gasoline that goes up to the car they're in, and Jason's got the lighter. They're like, oh my god, he's gonna light it on fire, and then Jason puts his arms out like a T. And starts walking backwards slowly. 
his doppelganger does the same thing and walks into the fire and burns himself. Yeah. So that's where we really Which is so smart, Jason. Yeah, to think that's, of that. and that's the first point in the movie where we where we see there's like a level of physical control or matching up between the clones and the and the people that are above Earth. So here's where I have a couple issues. Right, we're told right after this scene, you know, yada yada yada. Adelaide ends up underground with Red, who's Red tells her all the details. She explains that it was an experiment, that it failed, that it whatever, that we live the mere lives of you, and the issue is that we don't have souls, whatever. But we are told that the government was using the underground doppelgangers to control the above ground people. So how is Jason able to move his doppelganger backwards? Well, because I thought th the control went the other way. Right. So ult Jason was the one controlling the doppelganger. So the initial plan was for the tether doppelgangers to control the humans. Yeah. But that obviously didn't work because it was only the humans that were able to control their doppelgangers below. So like you were saying, like the carnival scene. I thought they were controlling them. I thought the, the underground people were faking a carnival underground to control the no. people above ground. So for some reason, it didn't work out as oh, okay. planned. So actually, the humans are the ones controlling the doppelgangers. Like, for example, when Adelaide was pregnant and gave birth or had a C-section, remember Red had to, like you said, cut herself or whatever. So, yeah. But... So I don't. I think the initial plan was for the doppelgangers to control the humans. Whatever reason, didn't work out that way. But you raise a good point because Jason controls his doppelganger above ground, and you know the doppelgangers. That have, doesn't really happen to anybody else in the movie. But all the other doppelgangers, all the other tethered, seem to be able to act on their own. They have their own like sense of agency. So I don't understand necessarily why Jason's able to control his. But you know what? It doesn't have to make total sense. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with it. It's, like, just, it's, just, it's a question, but it doesn't ruin the movie. Uh, more, okay, more clone problems. The clones are stronger than <laughs> more them. More clone problems. The, the clones are stronger than them. The uh, Elizabeth Moss's husband takes a fire poker to the skull and keeps battling. In general, they're stronger than they're above I ground. I guess because they're not humans, so that's yeah. this differentiation. Also, between... why does them... So the whole thing is they don't have souls, and which is why none of them can talk, which is which is an issue for Red, Adelaide's doppelganger, for a minute, but we'll get there. Why does not... Why can't they talk? Like, why is not having a soul... I don't know why they can't talk. It's yeah. a good question. I mean, I think that's, scary, I think it just but... shows, like, this difference between, you know, them and us, but... Um, I said us again, but, uh, that's actually why that's, that's why all the tethered though think red is their Messiah because red can talk and red, as we find out is actually the human version of Adelaide and the human version of Adelaide is actually the tethered version. Like you said, in the carnival mirrors, they switched. Yeah. So that's why all the tethered think. Red is this messiah. They think she's one of them, but Red is actually a human. So she concocts this whole plan. I'm not sure why her plan is to um, successfully complete the Hands Across America. She says we wanted to make a statement. It's the most... Why? Yeah. I like, get it, why they want It's attached to this, like, she was wearing a Hands Across America t-shirt, I guess, when she got pulled underground, but, like... I get why they want to, like, kill their human counterparts, because they've been, like, exiled and just, you know, treated yeah. poorly, but I'm not sure why, then, out of all the things you can do, maybe it's just to show that, like, you're better than humans, like, we're pulling off this big stunt that no one else Why, can. okay, why, first of all, do they all live under the boardwalk in Santa Cruz, or, or do, do they live underground across the yeah, country? Yeah, that's a good question. Okay, 
Um, what were they waiting for? Like, why did why did Adelaide have to come back to the beach for to spark their? Or was it coincidence? Like that seems things like yeah. that are the kind of like deliberate plot points that because Jordan Peele makes such smart, such good at foreshadowing movies that I'm like, why, why'd you, you kind of just left yeah. that out there. Like why, why do they, like, why do they stay down there? Are they, are they bound to stay down there? Why didn't, you know, obviously it was like a labyrinth to get down below ground, but why yeah. didn't the, when Adelaide got pulled down there, she gets handcuffed. Eventually she's unhandcuffed. Like, they never show her, like, trying to escape, which I would think she would do. By the way, when she's in the boiler room, did you get some Nightmare on Elm Street vibes? Definitely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, and actually, same with Jason's uh, tethered version of himself, when he takes off the mask and he has all these, like, burned scars over his face. Yeah. Very Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Um, um, but I think, actually, that's one of my favorite scenes. So when Adelaide goes down in the boiler room, goes down this really nice escalator and is in the underground area, sees all the bunnies. Her and Red have this big moment, like you said, where everything's explained, everything's revealed. And there's this crazy fight scene between the two of them, though. And then it's, they cut it to then showing like flashbacks of them dancing. Uh-huh. I thought that was so freaking cool, the way they did that whole scene. Yeah. Um, I, I, it, does, it does look really cool in how they, they show the kind of like mirror, the ugly version of the life that the doppelgangers are being forced to live. That was cool. I was just like, at that point... I was I was having a hard time with why are some of these things happening? <laughs> yeah. So something that this movie's really big on is um, Jeremiah from the Bible eleven eleven. So that that plays a big part in this yeah. movie. So, she sees a homeless guy holding a sign that says it. Yeah. So um, the actual passage is therefore thus saith the Lord: Behold, I will bring evil upon them which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. So that pretty much just signifies this entire yeah. kind of uprising that, that, that takes place. Um, you know, well, it's um, the, uh, that's, that's the end of times in the Bible, right? The God. I don't know if it's the end of times, yeah. but I think it's just this, uh, the way I read it was just this uprising of this like marginalized group and, yeah. you know, like the, the evil people, in this case, the monsters of the humans, yeah. like sorry you're out of luck like yeah. you did this to yourself so they end up like defeating the doppelgangers both above ground and below they they all get back together they're in the i think they're in the ambulance and and uh jason looks at adelaide and has this like oh my god mo- like just look on his face and we get the flashback to find out that adelaide is actually red and red is adelaide which led me to a whole nother round of questions if if adelaide as we know her in the movie is actually the doppelganger. Yeah. Why can she talk? And why does her doppelganger, who's actually an above ground Adelaide, why does she talk like this? So like, I actually have answers for you. Yeah. So, see, look- see, I know there were some things I missed. So I'm, yeah. I was trying to reserve judgment to figure out if it was just something I missed. So Lupita, the actress, actually discussed how she modeled this voice. Um, it was actually inspired by Robert F. Kennedy. Um, it's this neurological disorder called spasmodic dysphoria maybe mispronouncing that um but i think the way she interpreted it is that it's this voice that in her eyes was perhaps created from like a traumatic scenario so Mm -hmm. um i think that's sort of the origin of that voice but we had to think though she can't talk to anyone she's human she switches switches places so she's underground with all these people that can't speak 
So she's naturally not going to be talking as much anymore. So like something def definitely has to like happen to your vocal cords if you're like not really speaking mm -hmm. frequently like for however so many years. And I think this shows that it's like the one of the me messages of this movie is that like others who are, you know, not born into a certain group can still thrive and kind of like learn and adopt things from other people in this new community. So yeah, we have Adelaide who's actually a tethered, but now is like living amongst humans and is actually doing okay for the most part. So I think it's just like showing that it's like a learned thing. It's like a larger message of how we like look at them and us and try to separate. But if you actually like bring others in, like they can be somewhat yeah. successful and like adopt so, what's going on. So that's we, where she's able to talk. She's able to talk, but also the above ground Adelaide shouldn't be able to talk. So we're just led to believe that her getting to be, I mean, they are, they do say we're humans at one point in the movie, but like, she says we're I Americans. Guess, yeah, Americans. <laughs> so but her just being above ground allows her that ability. I think because she's surrounded by humans. Which, and it's which like again, just leads you to like the only thing separating the underground people from the above ground people is like a one way escalator that goes down. Well, like <laughs> you could get up. Like there was, there was no Adelaide. I don't think ever goes through like a locked door. Now, granted, maybe everybody already came out. So there's no, the doors were open, but yeah. like I, it, I just had an issue with that. Uh, another thing I wanted to ask you is, okay, what is, is Adelaide aware of what, like, has she forgotten that she used to be an underground? I think so. Or is she aware of it? Because a couple things don't make sense. When Adelaide comes above ground and confronts her in the living room, if she knows, the, the, the red as she is above ground now, knows this woman took my life from me. I was a regular person. I used to live up here and, you know, she kidnapped me and escaped in my, in, you know, instead of me. Yeah. But her response was not like, you know why I'm here. You know what I'm doing. I'm killing all of you for taking my life from me. She tells her this story. Well, so, they can't, like, reveal all that in the yeah, beginning. You know, so, they, and it's the also other... a movie, too. They want to <laughs> kind of draw that out and yeah. like, have a big reveal. Yeah. What I think would have worked better there would have almost been, like, they have an argument where it seems like she's arguing, as we don't know that there was a switch, it seems like she's arguing you should have taken me with you. I should have been able to get out with you. But what she's actually arguing is you got out instead of me because you trapped me. Like I would have, I would have liked to be put in a little more of a, a brain pretzel there to, to kind of hide, I guess what I'd kind of already figured out, but she does make that argument though, towards the end about yeah. how you could have taken me with you, which is another sign of just, I think Jordan Peele being like humans, you suck. Like we mm. suck. Like we, you, you could have actually brought these you yeah. know, creatures into our society and they would have been fine. Probably we could have like figured it out. But so did you, so you did feel like throughout the movie, Addie, as we know her above ground, didn't know what was going on or was she hiding it from her family? I came to believe my impression was that she forgot about her past and who, who she actually was, was just so absorbed in this new world of hers and like believed that she was, I don't know if she believed she was human, but, like, she was flourishing, thriving, doing fine, had no reason to, like, doubt what she was. And then, though, as she's, like, back in the, the Hall of Mirrors, she, like, goes to the boiler room. She seems to, like, know exactly where she's going. Yeah, that's true. At that point, I'm like, oh, she's starting to get some flashbacks or something is coming back to her. Like, this looks familiar. Maybe 
like why do why am I so familiar with this? Maybe I'm from here, whatever. But I think at that point, that's when things start to click. And then of course, when Red actually explains everything, then it's finally you know solidified. But I think at that point when she's like exploring the boiler room and going down downstairs, whatever, that's when she's starting to it's starting to come back to her. Yeah, um, I definitely see some of the plot points you're mentioning, um, and I'm aware of them. For me, that doesn't detract. I think what's so interesting about this movie, though, is just, like, this overall message. I think it's just, like, that trumps any inconsistencies with some plots here and there. Like, for me, that doesn't really matter. Yeah, and and I will say this for as... I feel like most of this podcast, I've yelled about things about this movie that frustrate me. But it's like... You know, like uh, the the sports coach yells at the kid he thinks it can do better. You know what I mean? Like yeah. um, that was never me. Ever. <laughs> no, no, no. But besides that, for for the issues I have with this movie, yeah. it was really good. I liked it. I, I I would definitely, to our normal questions, I would I would recommend it, and I and I would say it's scary. Um, I'm gonna force you to answer the question, Joe. Is it better? Do you like it more than Get Out? Because people always look at these as Jordan to Jordan Peele's first two movies. You know, Get Out was almost so like a, a neatly packaged. You know, it's it's def- it was about race, but it was really about it was almost like a sci-fi movie in the end of what was happening. Um, and you know, it's really everything was really tightly put together. Boom, popcorn horror movie, whatever. This movie's a lot more of like, what does it actually mean? Like, how do you read into it? And you know, what is this saying about the duality of man and our humanity? So they're very right. different. Did yeah. you like it more? I. I'm gonna say I liked it just as much as. Oh, that. what a cop! Yeah, out. I. Boo. I don't know. I, I don't need to answer that question. <laughs> I I really I love Get Out for what it is. I really yeah. enjoyed this one, and like you said, I think the message here is totally different, and what they're what Jordan Peele is trying to convey is different. They're both so good though. They, and they were great. Right. Yeah, um, I I would say maybe Get Out was great, and this yeah. was very good. Um, uh, I, I think. It was hard to follow up Get Out with anything, though, yeah. because the bar was set so high. There was so much talk about it, and it was so, you know, unique and loved. And then, you know, just to follow up anything that's so great, you know, they're yeah. going to have so much... There's going to be so many critics, and everyone's going to, like, pick it apart. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a really stellar follow-up. Yeah. It was um, fun, too. Like, as you're in the movie, it, it, like, it was fun to watch. Yeah. Like, I remember eating my popcorn. Oh, by the way, I just wanted to mention this real quick. This whole advent of bars in movie theaters wonderful and i was particularly mindful yeah. of not having to go to the bathroom this movie so i didn't get a beer i got a whiskey on the rocks uh, i had a little uh, a little maker's mark I maker's went... mark uh pairs well with uh you know a socio-political slasher <laughs> flick <laughs> i went to the bathroom twice are you serious movie stars. Oh, I, like, okay, I am okay. not going to miss anything yeah. in this movie yeah um so yeah i would definitely recommend this movie yeah. uh to anyone um, and you think it was scary i did think it was scary uh at times yeah, yeah. i oh, one one fan theory i want to throw out here okay. that i heard about this movie um is that uh the son jason is actually a flip as well that mm. some point between obviously Addie's flip and when the movie is filmed, he is a flipped doppelganger as well, and that's why he, that's why he figures out that he can kill his doppelganger. Um, it's why he's kind of so weird and so quiet. It's why he figures out at the end that Adelaide is a uh, is a tethered. Do you so think, I, do I, that's you like think, a fan theory. I don't know if that's true. Do you true. think he realizes that his mom is actually a tethered? I think they try to insinuate There's this that. exchange. Like, there's this look. He's like, okay, yeah, I, yeah. I, you probably are. But yeah, I, it's hard to fully When he read. gives his mom the look, 
they show the flashback of her being a tethered that comes above ground. It's so hard to I fully we read. To. I think it's hard to fully read what he's actually conveying. Yeah. But um, yeah, you know what's funny though, actually, when there's the scene where they're in the closet, Jason and his tethered version, there's board games mm-hmm. stacked. There is Guess Who in there. Oh, Get Out, and really? And there's also this game oh, Get Out. Mon- Ooh, I got a pun in by accident. Oh, I said Get Out. Get out of here. <laughs> there's also Monster Trap, which is about monsters invading a home. That's like the point of the game. Oh, my so God. more of these really cool details. And I'm sure like in the uh, next couple weeks, as, as more and more people get to yeah. pick apart this movie, we're going to we're gonna hear about even more of these because there were so many in Get Out. Like, Yeah. Uh, so this brings me to, because this movie just came out, it's hard to do scare are they now yeah. since they are all in this movie that just so, was released so scare have they been I have scare are they going okay so what is an upcoming project from one of the actors in the movie and actually we talked about Zora who plays the daughter is going to be in the remake of The Lion King she's voicing young Nala Ooh, so that's, that's a pretty big project. That's kind of cool. That's like huge. Beyonce's in that. Yeah. Donald Glover. So yeah. she's going to be in that. She was in Hairspray Live. I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how that one did. but um, L- Lupita Nyong'o is going to be in that uh, school teacher zombie movie later this year. trying to hijack my segment? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think that that really covers yeah. us. Cool um, movie. I, I, be, I hope you all saw it. Um, last thing I'd say about it is just it's it really is stunning. Like it's shot really well. There's a scene where they're walking on the beach. It's from above. It looks cool. The the violence is good. The you, that scene you're talking about where they're showing the above ground, below ground versions. Like this movie looks great. He's an incredible and it's filmmaker. Yeah. I can't wait I can't, to see yeah. what he does next. I, I know he's gonna do something yeah. awesome next. Find us on Instagram. Yeah. Comment. Rate us on iTunes. Leave us five stars, but wa- write whatever you want in the comments. <laughs> um, and if you, even if you leave us a really bad review, but you rate us five stars, maybe we'll read you on an episode. Um, oh. Yeah. yeah. And uh, don't forget to watch Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, that'll be coming next week. Uh-huh. Next yep. time. Uh, and with that being said, bye guys. Cheers. You know how sometimes things line up? Yeah. You know, like coincidences. Since we've been here, they've been happening more and more. I think, I feel like it means like she's getting closer. Who? The mirror girl? <laughs>